And uh, excited to jump into a new series today called Choices, because we have a lot of choices to make in life, right? And never hurts to have a little more wisdom behind that. So before we dive into that, though, I wanted to, to take a second here today and thank you. Uh, maybe you follow Open Life or uh, myself online, but this week something crazy happened, and, and I think it, it, it's good for you to know what's stirring out there. Uh, this week, uh, we were presented, or I was presented Friday morning, uh, an award. It was from the Sumner School District, from the Washington State of School Administration Association, and it was called the Community Leadership Award for 2013. So once a year, uh, the, uh, this ad- administrative team from Sumner School District has a chance to, to give an award to someone within the community that has just uh, provided great leadership. And so uh, the superintendent Our strategic partner school, a school that we support on a continual basis with whatever needs they have, Liberty Ridge Elementary's principal, Lori Dent, was there. And then as well, uh, Marilee Hill Anderson, who's in charge of the STAR Project and some uh, different elements for the Sumner School District with community coalitions and all these things. Uh, They were there. And it was incredible amongst a bunch of other superintendents and those whom they were honoring uh, to, to get an award like that from a school district. Now, here's what, here's what was, was shocking to me, and it, it, is they were using words that we would try to in, in, encourage us to use, like our culture phrases, like generosity, you know, we're generous, or, uh, you know, you guys are just present in the community, and you're going, yeah, that's one of our culture phrases, you know, and, and so to hear that being caught and that impact being felt, and to hear it through, through their words as they were sharing with others, um, uh, giving an award to a, a faith-based organization as a school district. You know, it's just kind of interesting to me. And I could only, you know, I shake my head and, and go, only God could put a church in that position of favor, right? But not just God, it does take action. And it takes people coming together. They reflected on events like the Big Give in the fall when we feed all the families uh, that have need within the schools and, and, uh, and as well events like Love Week. And so there's just this rollout of a bunch of different things that they were celebrating. And so I, just, I wanted to applaud you ultimately for continuing to live out our culture in community because you're not able to sit in that room and hear their shock. Uh, this is the other thing. The people being awarded from other districts had served for like 25 years. And they're like, for 25 years, they've been at every event. You know, and you're just going, this church is three years old. Think of the impact that can be made over the course of 25 years, 30 years from now. And I'm going, the favor and, and, and the platform God is giving us to be able to speak into people's lives within uh, this community is unbelievable. Now, here's something fun that I do. Uh, uh, there's probably a word for it, like obsession or OCD or whatever. But um, uh, I love going on Facebook and seeing, because, okay, the district must have pushed forward a press release to patch.com. Somebody did. And so they, like, all of a sudden I start getting these, these, these tweets and, and, and my phone starts shaking and I'm going, what's going on here? And I'm reading these comments from people who don't go to church here. Uh, and, and I'm reading uh, 
uh, all these different insights and retweets and these things happening. And, and I love this one. I just wanted to share with you the perspective of those whom we're trying to touch in this city. Listen to this language. And I, I think I threw it up here on the screen. Uh, love to see people being praised for doing what is right and all the effort that goes into it. I do have to say that it's a perfect example of what the church should be doing. Somewhere along the line, the church dropped the ball, all churches. And it's nice to see one that stands behind what is it preaches. Refreshing. And I kind of just, I was like, wow, that somebody would take the time to make that comment, right? And then I started to think, I bet this gal doesn't know she almost quoted a scripture. Proverbs 11.25 says this, um, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Our generosity in the community should be refreshing. So I saw that post and I was just like, God, all glory to you. Amen. It's working. Your scripture being proved true by our action, which I'll talk more about later here in a second in the midst of this talk. We shared uh, earlier in the year, Jeremiah 29, 7, which says, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. We're just seeing the fruit of living out God's Word, and, and I just wanted to say thank you for that. And uh, keep, keep doing it. Engage the mission. People leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus is making an, impo- an impact farther than we realize, farther than is reflected in this room. So uh, thank you very much. So, uh, man, choosing to engage that mission or not is a choice that you have to make, so let's talk about choices. Is this good? Uh, let's jump in. A year ago, I was attending a conference at Northwest University by the author of a book The book is called uh, You Lost Me, Why Young Christians Are Leaving the Church and Rethinking Faith by David Kinnaman, or however you pronounce his last name. He's the president of Barna Research Group. And uh, he he mentioned something in the course of his, his talk during the course of that day that he really, that really just resonated to me. And it was that we, we as the church need to move away from telling people right and wrong, and we need to land at a more coaching tactic of teaching discernment because we all have to make choices, and those choices impact destiny. I was like, ooh, type it. And I've just been letting that simmer for a year. <laughs> it was last May. And I'm, I'm going, that, that thought of, Teaching discernment and just instead of just telling someone what to do. And uh, I, I began to, to process. It's not an easy topic. It's not one that a lot of things are written on or, or preached on. Uh, not that there's directly a lot of text on it in Scripture, but there's a lot of principles here for, for us to catch. And so over the next three weeks, including today, we're going we're gonna to dive in on this subject and hit it from a couple different angles and try to really solidify some, some help for us 
in making wise choices. Um, Psalm 37, 23 says this, if the Lord delights in a man's way, if, right, if the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. What a great promise, huh? Though he stumble, he will not fall. You and I both know the obvious. You don't have this thing called discernment out of the gate, do you? I mean, it's not, it's just not a natural thing. Any parent in the room knows discernment takes time, right? It, it, uh, uh, it's, you, you, it's almost like we're wired to do the opposite, correct? We just, we want to push boundaries. And out of the gate, we just don't think wisely. We have to be trained and, and our desires have to shift. Proverbs 14, 12 says, it also says this in Proverbs 16, 25. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death, right? Isaiah 55, 9 in, in, in contrast says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways, God speaking, right? So are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. God challenging us through the prophet. His ways are higher than our ways. We're familiar with choosing the wrong direction, I think. All of us have made wrong choices, and we kind of deal with the repercussions of that or whatever. But God promises He'll guide us in the way that will best complement our strengths in our life, and, and, and we just need to trust Him. We can actually, as we'll uncover, we can blindly follow God's lead. And some of you have GPS in your car or on your phone. Have you ever blindly followed the lead of GPS? And maybe it didn't necessarily lead you in the best way. I've followed before Google Maps uh, blindly. And I, I've done this multiple times where it has you like, where I didn't like zoom out. It's just important to zoom out, right? But if you're following the navigation chick, and you're like, exit the freeway, and then as you re-enter the freeway, you're like, what was that? Why did I just parallel the freeway and hit a couple lights and then get back on? What am I doing? You know, and you just kind of laugh. And, and so I've learned to kind of zoom out and see if it's just having like a, an, an error. And uh, uh, well, it happens all the time that, you know, there's a way that seems right to a man or a GPS and it leads you straight. Check out this news article from right here in our neck of the woods. Not good marketing for that GPS system, right? And uh, uh, I, so I guess God doesn't program GPSs if he actually guides our way, right? And we're supposed to trust him blindly. Um, it, it, GPS, I, I remember getting a call from my wife one time. She was going to visit uh, uh, someone. They were doing a baby shower or something. I don't know. But she was going down into the, the valley from Bonnie Lake, and it wanted her to go like from Sumner Buckley Highway, like straight down the hill. And she made her way past a few like do not enter barriers and made it down the hill on a back road in a Prius 
going over trees and stuff. It was awesome. And uh, she tells, recalls the story later. I don't think I was supposed to go to that, that way. And people were like, that's dangerous, you know. And, and, uh, but sometimes the GPS just finds the shortest route, even if it's through a body of water. That's one way to get from, hey, if you don't want to pay the toll on 520, give it a try. I'm just saying, you can try it. It's just not going to be very beneficial and make sure you have great insurance for your car. Mercedes, it's painful. Anyway, they, uh, uh, I, I look at this and it just makes me, why does the way of man lead to death or, you know, almost drowning? Uh, you know, how do we get to God's ways? It kind of seems mysterious or sounds mysterious, right? How do, man, if his ways are higher than ours, how do we, like, get to those? How do we uh, follow the correct map, if you will? Um, how do we give it a check with reality and line everything up? Uh, it seems clear to me that discernment is discovered. You know, not only are we given truth, but then we discover that it's true over time. And today I want to speak towards really an entry point of discovery that I just thought transformation was a good word for. Uh, Truly just an introduction that sets up the following two weeks uh, because we need to make right choices to allow ourselves to fulfill the calling God has on our individual lives. Check this out, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Again, I think it's important to catch that first part. This is in view of God's mercy. So God's merciful. We need to always realize He's teaching us out of a heart of, of mercy, of love, of, of hope for our, and belief in our future. So in view of God's mercy... Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then you'll be able to test what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this is not just unsaved becoming saved that this is dialoguing about. Unsurrendered becoming surrendered. This is old becoming new ways. This is a new, try this map. Try this GPS, and you won't drive into water. This is a new system that God's saying, it's going to take transformation. It's going to take renewal of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve. So the whole renewal process is going to have some steps to it, and I've just grabbed three that I think are vital, foundational steps according to the passages we're going to uncover today. The first step is we need to be transformed from fear to faith, transformed from fear to faith. The power of following Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life can never be overestimated or underestimated, I guess. Uh, The beginning of the transformation process is found in our relationship 
with Jesus. That's, it's perfect love that casts out fear, the Bible says. So if we can, if we can get to a place where we, we choose, we cross over from just exploration of Jesus, and we, which is fine and it takes time. I remember sitting in a church for six months just questioning, why are we singing about a lamb? You know, little things that came to my mind, like, why are we doing this? And I would ask why questions, and I was processing and doubting and, and thinking of the way uh, I, all the things about religion that I hated, and I was focused on all those things. And then finally, six months into it, I'm like, okay, maybe I just need to take this step of faith and choose Jesus, invite Him to be Lord of my life, and then look at things through that transformed state. Now, this passage tells us that, that we're continually being renewed. It's not just a one-time occurrence. So we're constantly being renewed of this thinking to God's thinking. We're constantly being challenged to this. This isn't just about salvation again. But that's the starting point to say, okay, Jesus, I choose you things change. It's supernatural. It's unexplainable, but things change. And those who have chose to follow Jesus in this room could tell you the differences it's made in their life to have made that decision. It's a starting point. It's little to do with our efforts. In fact, it's none to do with our efforts, and it's everything to do with God's efforts to love us to be merciful, to have a plan for our lives, for, for Him to reach out to us to help lead us into the discovery of our future. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says it this way, We who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who's the Spirit. We put our faith in Jesus, and each one of us is going to reflect God's glory to those around us in a different way. We're on mission wherever we're working. We're, we're in line with God's will. Whatever we're doing, our calling is to be a reflection of Jesus to the world around us. And how pure of a reflection can we become? Well, we're transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory. This never ends. We're always finding better ways, firmer paths that God is laying down for us. And it's one choice at a time that leads us there. We discover it. We must put our faith in Jesus, trusting that God has a higher way that we can discover for our lives. Though we stumble, we will not fall. There's decisions to be made, and some of you make decisions like myself, maybe call me impulsive. My wife, I thought, would say amen loud right at that moment. But, uh, uh, you know, so maybe just kind of like, I'm more, I'm going to go until God says stop versus I'm going to wait until he says go. Is that, I'm, 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 I'm ready, go, set, kind of. I'm wired differently. And I think a lot of, it, it depends on your personality. The majority of people would rather contemplate and 
really pray about decisions. And I'm like, oh, yeah, pray about it. Good choice. So I better, let me, stop. you know, because uh, I'm just like, oh, Lord blesses the desires of our heart. Go! You know, so that's kind of the way I'm, I'm wired. And, I, and it came through as a child. I was kind of aggressive this way. I remember learning how, anybody remember how to learn how to ride a bike? You remember that moment that you learned how to ride a bike? Mine was really ingrained into my head, this moment, literally, uh, of how I learned how to ride a bike. I got a bike for the first time. Now, being a parent, I can't believe my parents did this, but they decided to give me this present um, when we were 100 miles from home. We were in Green Lake at my grandma's house, and uh, my parents gave me this bike. It was sweet, like kind of tan, brownish, not too like manly, but anyway, had this banana seat, I remember, with like this pattern on it big old, whoo, and these handlebars that were like the big, you know. And, uh, and so I got this, this bike. Back then, you didn't get a helmet with a bike. Way overrated. And so I, uh, I got this bike, and I remember on the hills going down from Grandma's house to Green Lake was where I was going to learn how to ride a bike. And so we would kind of go back and forth in front of Grandma's house on the sidewalk, and I was just tenacious. I was just going to go after this. And so we went and went and went, and we're going back and forth, and finally my dad lets go, and I'm able to do it. And then he realized a little later he probably shouldn't have let me go when it was the downhill section, but the car didn't hit me. And, uh, and so I, that gave me a little courage going down in fear down the sidewalk, right, and, and hitting the bumps and hitting the bumps and jumping off the sidewalk. That was before all the handicapped, like, transition spaces, right? So I thought I could do jumps, I can go downhill, you know. So when we went back to my farm that I grew up on in Rochester, Washington, we were right against the Capitol Forest, and, and there was this gravel road uh, that, that we lived on, and it was freshly graded, just looked like it's mine, right? So I went out, uh, probably skipped the meal, as your typical boy, home of two older brothers, you know, that already had bikes. So I was like, I'm going to go dominate the hill. So I went out to the gravel road, and, and I didn't quite have the capabilities of, I really didn't understand braking. Uh, if you keep going, you'll eventually stop, right? I didn't understand that gravel may ride a little different than a sidewalk. Um, and and, and I, I really only rode a little bit on a sidewalk and around Green Lake, which is very flat. And so I, I, I got on the bike after pushing it up the gravel hill, and I look, and I'm like, whoa, this is steep. But I've done this. I did this at Green Lake, right? And so I hop on this bike, and it's go time, and I start going down, and, and I don't understand why my handlebars start doing this. And I was little. I didn't have the strength to just like do that, right? I was like, like hitting myself with my handlebars, and I'm like, what is happening? And, I, and so I'm starting to do this, and I think it feels like I made it 100 yards. I don't quite know. I'll say 100 because it sounds more impressive. Uh, but I did learn how to brake that day that if you actually turn your wheel completely sideways and then kind of backwards, you stop, or your bike does. And I went right over the front of it, and literally, I kid you not, landed face first. I didn't even know, like, oh, maybe I should turn to the side. Or, but I skidded on, I made this, like, you know, like, I plowed a line with my nose on the gravel. I was bloody in the face. I'm screaming. 
And I guess the good thing is I didn't like break an arm or anything, you know. I just did a flat landing. I just... <laughs> um, I was kind of afraid after this to ride a bike. Uh, honestly, I, I didn't have fear of riding the bike, obviously. I just charged right after it on a gravel road. But afterwards, my choice to just conquer the gravel, the consequence of that was a memory that resulted in fear. And honestly, to this day, like I've gone on this, the trips with youth and in, to the, from Lower Priest Lake in, in northern Idaho to Upper Priest Lake, and there's bike trails, and there's like cliffs, and, and these teenagers are like, woo, you know, jumping around, and they're just going, they're flying, and I'm like going, I'm just like, my foot's off the pedal, and there's a cliff there. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. All things to all people. You know, I'm just like, I don't like it to this day. And it probably goes back to the gravel road. I'm damaged for life. Our choices have consequences, right? I tried to conquer fear just by, like, my way was not the best way in that instance. I should have, I should have been trained a little more, and, and I wasn't. The cool thing is my dad made it out there pretty quick. And he picked me up, and he bandaged my wounds, and then he challenged me to get back on the bike again. Not on the gravel hill, you know, but kind of got me back on the horse, if you would. Not on our horses, which we did have. But just, you know, it was like, get back on. you got to conquer this fear kind of a deal. But I stayed on pretty flat surfaces for quite a long time, and I was a little nervous. But that's the heart of God here, right? Though we stumble. I mean, God's going to pick us back up. We're going to stumble. We're going to make a bad choice. But we can course correct because we have a merciful Father that wants to transform these ways to these ways and knows that it's a discovery process. There's a lot of picking up that's going to happen in here. I love that about God. How much more should we thank Him for that in life than just the decision to, like, ride a bike? Are we grateful for his mercy? Are we grateful that he's trying to transform us? Are we allowing ourselves to be transformed by totally giving him our lives? The next step that I want to look at here is we need to, we need to transform from telling to training. From telling to to training. If discernment is discovered, we must take a step back for the potential of helping others around us discover for themselves. With covering, with protection, right? We don't want them to fail, but we've got to give them a path to discover because until we experience, we don't really believe, right? I mean, that's the world we live in, an experiential world. We've been used to teaching this way. Don't touch that. You'll get burned. Uh, at least that's the way I would do it, right? Our, our two-year-old, Preston. That, I, I could just stop there, right? <laughs> Can I just say that? Two-year-old, Preston. Okay, but anyway. Um, but, our, you know, he's reaching up to the stove the other day. It's like, Preston, no! Because remember, if you don't call their name, they won't know it's for them. You can't just scream. But it's like, you know, Preston, No! You don't know, in the, in the moment, I didn't really have time to teach him or train him in that. Preston, I want to talk about heat. You know, but, but anyway, um, you know, my, one of my favorite 
one of my favorite phrases is, Preston, that was a (laughs) no-no. It's like, oh, I'm totally a dad or a parent. That was just goofy. Uh, I might even say, uh, you know, this is how you do this. I'll say that to people. I'll, I'll, I'll essentially rob them of their discovery <laughs> process, right? There might be a better way. But I'm so used to just saying, you know, I'm going to tell them versus teach them or train them. So what does it look like if you are going to train them and you have time to do it, right? If you touch this, it, it just might burn you. You know, if you have time to train someone in that, it'd be beneficial. Because we really need to give them the same choice God gives us. We need to give people the power of choice to, to make a decision, discover a consequence. But if they choose to touch it, they'll get burnt. We know that because we've been burnt before. Discernment is discovered. But we've got to give them a shot. You don't want them to get burned. Oh, let's, let's let them discover. Here's a boiling pot of oil. Just do whatever you want to do. Discover whether that's going to hurt or not. You know, <laughs> that would be bad. That's not a good choice. Uh, uh, so, but we need to look at this. How can we allow them to go a level, level deeper, uh, deeper in their belief by allowing them to discover truth versus just telling them truth? If you could get burned by touching that, that wouldn't be a good choice, right? I mean, sometimes we just need to help people think. If you could get burned by touching that, that wouldn't be a good choice, right? You know, does God want you to get burnt? No. You know, <laughs> so you, you kind of use reason and training and teaching. God's not trying to restrict us again because he's got a mercy. He just wants to transform our thought patterns so that we do what, what is best for us so that we can live life to the full. The church has handled decisions, and this is where David Kinnaman was going in his book, You Lost Me, and in his, his talk that day at Northwest University, the church has often just said, hey, this is wrong. End of story. Never do that. And you're stuck going, but what if I took it from this angle? I said it's wrong. But what if I took it from, from this angle? Stop it. <laughs> you know, it's like kind of the, it's, that doesn't give us a belief. That just, that just helps us know what was right and wrong at this stage of life. But what if, like, life has progressed? What's right and wrong here now? Well, let's talk about that. Let's discover that. Let's make some new discoveries together. And let's open up the Word of God. Let's see what kind of instruction we can get about that, which we just did in our last series on some different subjects, and we'll be posting more videos online answering people's questions that they had. The church has taught right and wrong Instead of focusing on thou shalt and thou shalt not, if you would, in the old school language. Because it's easier to say no than teach through training choices and consequences. It takes more time to teach choices and consequences. You need more space to teach that. You need more conversation, which is why we love groups. Because we can sit around over a meal we can sit and, and, and dialogue about life, not just disseminate a message, but have a conversation. It's huge, absolutely huge, and it's really important to the next generation. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14 
brings into focus something interesting here. It says we have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. Ouch, right? The recipients of this one were like, ooh, okay, thanks for the Thanks for that. That hurt good. Let's go on. Verse 12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. Then catch verse 14. Solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I see four things there in this passage that are kind of sub-points to two, and then we'll jump into our final point and land this plane today. Maturity, constant use, and training. In verse 14. So, Solid food is for mature. We need to, to, to and speaking of righteousness, speaking of the Word of God, speaking of Scripture, and, and, and how, can we, how can we then be consumers of solid food, but not just consumers, because if you just eat and you don't exercise, what happens? Proof. Right? Anyway, no, it's like, you know, it's, like, it's just the reality that we, we have to uh, be in action. Training is for action, not just for consumption, but mature in Scripture. We need to be mature. We need to be lifelong learners. How can we be ones that would try to strive to find the most solid of food and and consume it? Scripture's the source of this meal that is being spoke of in this passage. When we come and we want to find opportunities to learn, we want to find opportunities to grow, Because if we do, and not only learn it, becoming mature in our knowledge, but if we we can learn how to constantly use it, if we could be talkers of what we're learning, if we can begin to share with others what our experience in Scripture is, then all of a sudden we'll find ourselves in a place where we have an easier ability to apply it. We need to be applying action to what we're learning. Uh, John seven seventeen says it this way, if anyone chooses to do God's will, he'll find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. <laughs> Jesus challenging them, here's how you know if this stuff is real. Give it a shot. The Bible says God heals. Pray for someone to be well. The Bible says that it's the gospel that's the power of salvation. Have you shared that with someone so that they can meet Jesus? The Bible says that that we grow by having fellowship with one another. Are you hanging out with people? Who have you had over to your house for a meal? Whose house have you gone over to have a meal at? Who have you dialogued with online this week? And then training to distinguish. I mean, it takes training and we're going to really dive into this in the next two weeks, but it takes training to literally distinguish the choice we need to make. We need to, we need to be trained so when the choice comes, we know the right choice versus getting to the choice and then trying to train ourselves. I heard a report this week that it does absolutely no good for those who have a heart attack to start to eat well 
and take on a new dietary pattern to, to now live farther. It, 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 there's no proof that it necessarily, that they can reverse the damage that was done years ago. In other words, start taking care of yourself now so you don't get to the heart attack, right? I was like, ooh. So we need to train now our faith for the day the choice comes because then it'll be instinctive. We'll know and be able to discern which way to go. Training to distinguish. Final point, three, we need to transform from learning to love, from learning to loving. We must learn, but learning without action is, is as discovered above, it, it, it's a low belief. It, it doesn't have depth, right? We must do God's will. Uh, we, we, you know, as I just said, and, and Jesus just challenged us, hey, if you want to see if this is God's will, do it. We've got, to, we've got to have action, but that action leads somewhere. Listen, in 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11, and, and on the back of your connection card, you'll see the two passages, and, and I just challenge you to make those known to yourself. The Romans 12, 1 and 2, try memorizing that if you've never memorized the Scripture before. It could be powerful because you'll be thinking about it all week if you're just repeating it, repeating it, repeating it. Read through this passage I'm going to read through here this week because there's a progression that helps us be ready to not just learn, but to, to take that knowledge and turn it into love. Listen to this. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He's given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires." For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and perseverance godliness, and godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness love. Do you see that progression? So you have faith, then you move to goodness, and then knowledge, and you get, when those grow, you get to love like genuine love. It continues in verse 8. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he's nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you'll never fall. Does that sound familiar? You'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Knowledge puffs up, but knowledge that gives way to these qualities and landing and rooted in genuine love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you will not fall, right? God will be pleased with your path. Though you stumble, you will not fall. So I don't know where you're at today or what your next step is, but I think for all of us, we need to make progress. And that progress begins in Scripture. 
And even if you just take those two passages that are on the, the back of your connection card and you jot those on your note sheet so that when you, when you go home, you can look them up on version and bookmark them or something, whatever you read the Bible on. Over the next two weeks, I want us to just let those sink deep into us and discover the fruit of this process. And as the worship team plays and we're reflecting, I, w- I want you to reflect, what's your next step? What's your next step to, to know his ways versus just trusting yours alone? It's worth discovering. And for some of you, you just need to make that leap and cross that line of faith and say, okay, Jesus, I'm doing this today. I'm, I'm going to choose to follow you. I know you love me, God. I know you're merciful. You sent your son so that you could reunite this line of communication. And I, I, I surrender as an act of worship today. I want to know what your good and pleasing and perfect will is. Maybe that's where you're at. It's a huge day. Maybe today you're like, I've been making the wrong choices. I need a course correction. Here I am, God. Help me. I, I need to get back on track. Maybe today you're just saying, I'm, I'm going to commit. I'm going to be back here. I'm gonna, or I'm going to make it to a group this week, and I'm going to start the conversation. Maybe you just never talked out your faith. It would be a, a great week to start. So, Lord, I thank you for everyone who is here, and I thank you for your word. I thank you for insights that when we really have questions, you have answers. And we want to know how to make choices that are guided by that higher way you speak of in in scripture. We want to be guided by your way and not our own. We don't want to lead to death. And some today are going to take a step into life and eternal life for that matter by choosing to follow Jesus. And I thank you for those that are just simply saying today, Jesus, come into my life. I I want to choose to follow you. I want to continue to grow in a relationship with you, but I want to experience it from this side of that step of faith by saying, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior, I'm yours. Others, Lord, I pray that you would illuminate to them the step they need to take in that progression, Lord. Faith, godliness, kindness, brotherly kindness. Lord, show them what needs increasing so that they will not fall. So that though they stumble this week, may they feel the merciful hand of God pick them up because they're like, okay, God, I'm sorry, here I am. We love you, God. Speak to us now in this time of reflection. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.